welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about corn diseases on the show today. We're also going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Brian, corn diseases is a big topic and it was interesting a uh, couple lessons that we learned when we talk about corn diseases on a day that college kids are getting out of school, there aren't a whole lot of professors that are on the job on those days either. So a lot of them had comments. They said, make sure you guys talk about tar spot and let, let all the farmers know we're working on it, uh, doing a lot of research on tar spot, learning a lot and uh, to pay attention for more updates here as the season goes on. But tar spot seems to be the big one, and I love this. There's so many graphics I've seen out there of counties where tar spot's been identified, and it goes right up to the furthest north and west counties in the state of Iowa, but it doesn't creep into our home state of South Dakota, Brian, at all. Do you believe that, or do you think we've already got some in South Dakota? No, I think it's already here, and I would just say – yeah, tar spot is definitely the number one concern we got to be looking at, but certainly there are other diseases out there too. The thing with tar spot, a lot of people are like, what? Tar spot? What the heck is that? This is a newer disease. We didn't see this even 10 years ago. It kind of started over Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, and now it's just continued to move further west every year. Last year it took a big jump, and that's my fear going into this year is we're going to see tar spot in our area where we farm in eastern South Dakota. Well, if you talk to most of the seed corn companies, they don't have a great handle on this. In other words, some of the companies, many of the companies, don't even have ratings on how good is this hybrid on tar spot tolerance. There isn't any real resistance. But the other thing is, on the fungicide piece, there are a lot of people that have talked about, oh, I'm just going to spray it tassel timing with a fungicide in corn, that's not going to be early enough, most likely, with tar spot. Now, it could be, but last year where we saw the best results is people that were spraying in front of tassel, maybe a couple weeks before tassel, and then a week after tassel, again, so two shots was best, but if you were going to do one shot, just be early rather than late. Well, here's the big thing. With fungicides, as always, you've got to be ahead of things. They're much better at preventing disease than than helping you after you've got it. And here's the thing with tar spot. Once you see disease, once you see some lesions, chances are your plant's already been infected for a couple of weeks. And in two more weeks, the corn can completely be wiped out. So it happens so quick if the weather conditions are right. So what are the weather conditions? Well, cooler temperatures, typically less than 70 degrees, high relative humidity, 75% or more, prolonged leaf wetness for, they say, seven hours or more, low sunlight and foggy weather. Well, guess what? If you have a night that cools down below 70, which is pretty common in the upper Midwest, and you have leaf wetness and uh, a lot of humidity out there, just overnight conditions can lead to this. So it isn't like you have to have this cold day in the summer. You can still have a warm day in the summer. You could have all those conditions happen in the night, and all of a sudden you've got it. Now, I remember when tar spot, really uh, one of the first two years that tar spot was in the country, they said conditions would have been favorable all the way into eastern Montana. So don't think, oh, we're too far away. It's never going to happen. Hey, it made it all the way to Florida and Georgia last year from the upper Midwest So and, and out to Pennsylvania. 
So it's going to be everywhere before you know it. Yeah, and I think we're seeing more disease issues in general just because there's less tillage being done. And when we till, we bury residue, and then a lot of times the pathogens will die. Well, we're not doing that as much anymore. And so I I think just all diseases we're having more problems with. And then the other thing is we look at what's the average humidity? Even in our area, we talk a lot about this over the winter at our workshops, where literally in July and August, the last three years, We've been more humid right in eastern South Dakota than Miami, Florida. You think about that. It's crazy, the humidity levels that we've got anymore. And I think a lot of that has to do with the tremendous crops we're raising. Because a great crop of corn and a great crop of soybeans, you walk into that canopy, it's going to be pretty humid. And, you know, here's the thing, too, with a lot of these diseases, Brian, we, we used to think uh, kind of like with soybeans. A lot of guys just want to spray one application of fungicide. They're waiting until full bloom to first pod. And at that point, you're already behind the eight ball on something like white mold. In corn, it's kind of the same thing if you're waiting until after tassel. Why? Most of the time, farmers will say, well, I only want to make one application, and it's kind of expensive. I'm going to have to hire a plane, all those kinds of things. But by getting out there earlier, we can stop some of these diseases because they've documented tar spots starting on plants as early as V8. So eight-leaf corn, basically, or eight-collar corn, they've already seen it. And when you get the right conditions, it can just start moving its way up the plant, much like gray leaf spot does. It just moves its way up the plant. So when you're out there a little bit ahead of tassel, you've got a better chance of covering the leaves that are down in the canopy a little bit, and you can stop some of those those diseases from coming up. Because the more stress we can reduce on our plants, and you're going to hear this over and over again this season, the more stress we can re- the more stress we can stop, the better our yield potential is. Definitely. So anyway, with corn diseases, it does start, though, right in furrow at planting time. There is Zyway out there, and a lot of people are asking about that. Can I get actually season-long control? Look, you're not going to get season-long control on all the toughest diseases like tar spot, for example. But at least it does a good job of holding back many of the diseases, giving you suppression until well into the season. So it might mean you don't have to spray a fungicide later. But even if you do, it might you might be able to just get by with one shot instead of two. Or, I mean, all I know is this. We've got 550 cash corn this fall. 550. That's really, really good. So I don't want any disease out there if I can help it. That's for sure. And, and honestly, the good thing about tar spot spreading, if there's any good thing, it's just raised farmers' awareness that, you know what, this disease thing is kind of serious, and I probably better get after things. And you're right, Brian, with that much income to protect, it's really important in 2022. Talking about corn diseases on our show today and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. During the Bronze Age, grain sorghum was a common crop in developing agriculture. Today's technology has changed virtually everything. 
but grain sorghum largely hasn't changed until now. Introducing Emiflex herbicide, paired with iGrowth non-GMO herbicide-resistant grain sorghum, this duo controls foxtail and other toughweeds pre and post-emergence so you can grow like never before. Make history in your sorghum makers. Start today at sorghumpotential.com. Always read and follow label directions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weed Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm excited today to talk about corn diseases because we've got more options and better options to stop them than we've ever had. And what great timing when we've got some really tough diseases like we were talking about, tar spot a little earlier, but there are others that we'll talk about along the way today. So as we're talking about corn diseases, if you've got any questions or if you want to talk about any agronomic topic, just give us a call. Our phone lines will be open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Ryan Hunt on with us right now with FMC. And oh man, Ryan, I bet you're getting a lot of questions about Zyway, especially after some of the real positive yield responses growers saw last year. Yeah, yeah, we definitely are. It's, um, you know, we had a few hangups here and there, but overall, you know, about 95% of our, our trials came back positive. And, you know, if you've got, it's just a great way. You can put it in there in furrow and protect against that northern corn leaf blight, southern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. Um, it's really neat just how it's, it's in the plant already from the start. You don't have to wait for that disease to develop. So you got protection for basically the life of that plant versus waiting and letting that, you know, letting that disease come and already get there a little bit and then you can't totally stop it, right? Well, I remember a number of years back, and and of course we're in South Dakota. I think I believe you're in North Dakota. And when we think about the growing conditions that farmers are going to plant into, it's going to be cold pretty much every year. There's just no way around it. And so we need some extra protection. We know disease is going to be tough in the early part of the season. So as soon as head or headline got a label for infro application, Brian and I were doing it. If we're planting early, we're going to put some fungicide out there. But there are so many diseases now that are resistant to the strobes. So it's not the greatest disease fighter anymore, which is why you don't see straight headline getting used all over like it was back then. But now we've got something much better, and and Zyway really offers us a lot broader spectrum control and, like you said, longer-lasting control. It's a triazole, though. So for, for growers that don't really understand the differences on those, what's different about Zyway, Ryan, that allows it to move through the plant like that? Because normally we don't think of fungicides as being really systemic. Yeah, so the really unique thing of it is 
basically it binds pretty tight to the soil. So when we put it there in the furrow or close to the furrow, really is what we want to do, put it within reach of that root mass, get it early. Um, and it's very plant mobile. It's actually the most mobile active ingredient out there. So we call it xyway because it moves with the xylem of the plant. So the xylem is what transports water through the plant. So every time that corn plant's taking a drink from the soil, it's, you know, that is right there and it's going with it anywhere that plant's transpiring. It's going out to those leaf tips up to the top of the plant. You know, we have some studies where we've got um, basically equal levels of Zyway in the corn plant up on those very top leaves that tasseling compared to the lower leaves and the stock. And then it, and then it stays out of the kernel and the seed so it doesn't affect the dry down because the water is not actually getting pushed into that part from the xylem. So we're really getting just whole plant protection uh, for a better, stronger, healthy plant. And it's, you know, when we get into these northern parts of the country, like where you and I are located, we don't have a lot of leaf disease, but we do deal with like a lot of anthracnose stock rot and whatnot and stuff like that. And that's where our growers up here in the northern plains are really seeing the difference. Um, with that standability and late season, you can go out there and if you split a field, you can really tell just the difference where it was and wasn't based on just how better it's standing and the mass of that stock and just overall quality of the plant. And then that's all translating into yield because you're maximizing that moisture that's in the soil, your nutrients that are in there, everything. Well, and it's not just yield, it's also tonnage and milk per milk per acre. And, uh, you know, for the guys that are taking silage, they noticed big differences last year too. Like you were mentioning, hey, I noticed my stocks are a little different, not just a little different in some cases, a lot different. I've got a bigger, healthier plant that's going to ton out better for me and potentially yield more too. We saw nine bushels gained on our farm. And uh, I don't know, Brian is usually really skeptical. So we had tried Zyway two years ago. And we didn't have a big disease year or anything else. So we did, you know, some strips and that kind of thing. We didn't see this huge difference, but uh, it was enough that we said, okay, we got to do a little bigger testing this year. This year, we put it on some ground that Brian looks at every day, and it was a nine bushel advantage. And that was enough, Ryan. So I would advise anybody, yep. if your brother's skeptical <laughs> like mine is, uh, you just got to do some trials. Now, I would say this too. We, we always tell farmers when there's new products out there, try them on a small scale. Learn about them first before you put them on the whole farm. You mentioned there were a couple of challenges last year. And I think a lot of it that I saw or heard about was guys that either had plant growth regulators in the furrow, that that kind of screwed things up when they added a fungicide into the equation too, or where guys were putting on a low volume of liquid and just it basically dribbles out in the furrow and they had a lot more concentration of Zyway or whatever else was in their mix on some seeds versus others. And of course that creates a different response from one seed to the next. So I like that Thrive 3D system a lot. That that seemed to solve those problems for us. But for growers that are, are going to use the liquid and the LFR version, what do you recommend for them this year? Yeah, you know, so I reckon we learned a lot last year, first year covering a lot of acres, you know. Um, but we basically, where we want to go is we want to keep it a half inch to three inches from the seed. Um, you know, the totally tubular that puts it underneath gets it about that half inch, and we didn't see really any issues. The biggest thing was cold, wet soils. Uh, and also, like you mentioned, with the low volumes 
and another PGR, you know, it's, it's another, it's another thing in that plant that it needs to process, right? So if we're putting it out there and it's cold, wet, poor growing conditions, that plant needs to get growing to take it up. So if we move it just a half inch off of that furrow, off of that seed, not right on top of it, that plant gets going a little bit. And then, you know, in a day or two, it's our, it's taking it up again already, but it's full charge, full steam ahead. And um, it doesn't have to worry about metabolizing it anymore. It's already growing real well. So really our recommendation going forward is going to be a half inch to three inches. And with that, we're seeing the same great results or the Thrive System, like you mentioned. That, If someone's not familiar, the Thrive System is the foam in furrow um, Thrive 3D system. You put a band of foam. It really kind of looks like, looks about like that soap that you pump out that comes out as foam. Uh, right down the furrow, spreads nice through there, binds to that soil right on top, and it's it's good to go too. I know you guys have used that on your planter a little and liked it, so definitely a good route. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of things to look at, and I, I, I strongly advise growers, take a look at some of these at-plant time fungicide uses to try to control diseases right from the start and keep plant health up. Uh, i got just a couple minutes left here, Ryan, but looking foliar at some of the different choices that are out there, you've got a unique one with Lucento when you think about uh, triazole plus an SDHI, not having that strobe in there, which some growers say, you know, it's not controlling disease for me anymore, and it's leading to more uh, green stem and soybeans is a, a thing we see a lot with strobes that people don't like. Uh, talk to us about that product real quick. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's a it's a triazole and a SDHI together, um, flutriazole and bixofen. So it's really it's really doing good in our you know northern half of the U.S. for our corn diseases, our soybean diseases. It you know it it's got flutriazole in it as well, which is in Zyway. So when you spray it on that leaf. It does move to the new growing parts of the plant. Now, it doesn't move like like it does in Zyway because it's not down at the roots, but it does move out to the tips, you know, very plant mobile. We get curative and preventative activity with this. And the big thing, you know, where we're seeing a lot of growers liking is what you're saying is we don't have that extended, you know, stay green because we don't have that strobe in there. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stroby resistance too. So if you wanted to, you could mix the stroby with it, but it seems to have been real good uh, just without it, you know, just the two together versus a lot of these three ways that have the stroby. And then and as we get further north, later harvest and whatnot, it gets tougher for dry down and whatnot. Sure. Um, we're not having to worry about that. You know, there are a lot of differences in the fungicide products on the market today. We've been talking here with Ryan Hunt with FMC about everything from planting time of Zyway to that late post-emerge spray with with Lucento. Uh, lots of choices out there. That's a good thing for all of us. Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good day. You as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. 
As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Improve germination in your fields with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our unique spike design seals your seed within a firm vein of soil, providing maximum seed-to-soil contact and maximum germination. Order a set for your planter at farmshopmfg.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio talking about corn diseases. Had an interesting start to the show there with Ryan Hunt with FMC and part of the part of the uh, package that FMC has is the product called Zyway, which is flutriafol fungicide can be used post-emerge as a product called TopGuard, but with that inferro application with season-long potential to, to hold back disease. Is it going to be perfect? No, but but it sure, sure does give us something that we haven't had on the market before. And that raised a question with Dan over in Wisconsin. Dan, I'm so glad that you called in. What can we do for you? Uh, well, regarding that Zyway fungicide, I don't. I have dry on my planter, and we live in an area where it's like really steep hills and small fields. There's no way we could ever get like a plane to come in or whatnot. And so we've always had problems, you know, getting fungicide on when the corn's tall. And we run over more than it's worth almost, you know. Yep. So with that yep. Zyway, um, he, he said you could put it anywhere from like, like a half inch to three inches off. Um, so if we, would it work if I just get a, like a little, say like an infurrow system, but instead of putting it in furrow, I'd put it 
behind my dry disc openers and put it right in with a fertilizer. You sure could. Would that do yep. the same thing? I would think so. Yeah. Just, just as long as you can get it on. So it's within a few inches of where that seed zone is going to be. So the roots have a chance to take it in. I think the, I guess we look at it on our farm because we've got a couple different things going on. We want to put insecticide in furrow, and that's what we were doing with our liquid system. And so we we have a Thrive 3D system to do the, the foam on there as well uh, to, to be able to drop a liquid and uh, put that foam out there with the Zyway product in the furrow too. But yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And, and I, I think coming up with something, because I agree with you, there's a lot of folks in the same boat as you with either fields where you can't get a plane in or guys have wind towers on their farm and they're like, nobody wants to come anywhere near those wind towers or, or they're just too close to town and they don't want to have planes come in. Uh, and you're right. We've done it too, where we've run over a bunch of corn. So it's not, not always easy trying to do those late season applications. It's, if we can get something done with the planter, that, that gives us a lot of flexibility. Sure. And that, you, that Zyway would suck up into the plant just the same, you think, as it would if you put it in furrow then? Well, it it will get in there. And I guess uh, I don't know what all of FMC's data is on that, but I know they found out they need a little bit of gap between seed and liquid just in case uh, the concentration's not perfect. That gives you a lot more buffer for safety. Um and like I say, I, I don't know that the disease control is going to equal what uh, an aerial application or uh, or a self-propelled sprayer kind of application late season would do. But it sure looks pretty good in the data. It's not like this perfect thing on tar spot. It's not labeled on tar spot, but uh, we did see in the trials that it had an impact on it to some degree anyway. But man, it looks pretty good on gray leaf spot and on northern corn leaf blight. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thanks a lot, Dan. Really appreciate it. Yep. Let's head down to Iowa. We've got an agronomist with us. We've got Mike Wingrove. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, how are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So in your part of Iowa, you got some challenges too over there with hills and everything else. How do you guys handle this this uh, corn disease aspect? Because I, I know tar spot certainly a concern for growers in your area and northern corn leaf blight and gray leaf spot and others are, are always on the radar too. Yeah, um, we try to be proactive with it. Um, we used Zyway last year for that season-long residual, um, put it right in the planter, put it on during planting, um, and that 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 held very good. Um, then we come back at VT with a, uh, we use Veltima this year, and um, I guess always scouting and making sure we're looking for the, like you said, northern corn or gray leaf spot. You know, you mentioned a, a two-pass approach, and it, it's amazing how pushing the easy button is generally not the the number one way to get the most yield. But a two-pass approach for weed control and uh, and other things seems to fill in a lot of the gaps. When you go with that tassel time application, do you see anything coming back on you late? And if so, do you worry about that for yield where you're at? I know some guys uh, further east from you, a long ways east where they get a lot more rain. I don't know if you guys ever get rain down there, but uh, for the guys that do get lots of rain, they talk about going back out a few weeks later with another application. Have you ever had to do that in your part of western Iowa? Um, We have not. um, After our VT application, we, we haven't seen any other pressure where we would have to go back and make another application after that. Um, the VT application seems to hold for us. 
luckily. Yeah, so far, so far anyway. You know, the other thing that we saw last year, and I, I don't think your area was immune to this either, was just an overwhelming amount of corn rootworms out there. Did you see rootworm beetles and other pestlate, and do you often add an insecticide in at that same time as the tassel application? Yes, um, we do put an insecticide in with our fungicide. Um, we did see some corn um, beetles, and but we put it in just for the the insurance factor of it, whether they're there or not, and the residual that comes with it. How about this? We get a lot of questions about hail, and if you had light hail where it just stripped some leaves up, or if you had a, a really bad windstorm that came through and kind of tore some leaves, uh, I know a lot of growers are concerned about disease at that point. Is that something that triggers an application in your area, or is that something where you're still gathering more data on? Uh, depending on the severity of it, some some guys will, if it's just uh, normal wind, like you said, they'll, they will spray the fungicide. Some guys, you know, try to save that penny and um, say it's too far gone and not worth spraying it at that point. Um, for me, I would say the application of the fungicide would be good just to help finish out that plant through that complete growing season rather than just giving up on it. Talking with Mike Wingrove, he's an agronomist in in Western Iowa, and I know one of the guys that you work around is our friend Kelly Garrett down there with almost 400 bushel corn. Uh, he's got to be a high maintenance customer, Mike. I'm sure of that. But can you give us any secrets? Are there some other things that that Kelly's doing to uh, to get the best effectiveness out of his fungicide? Are you using different tips? Are you adding in some kind of sticker or something to help that? that product work better on the plant? Are there any other tips you could give us? Um, we're going to, we're focusing with, uh, we're partnering up with pattern ag this year. Um, try to try to be proactive, not reactive to the, to the diseases this year. Um, that be able to give us the spore counts, um, with pattern ag being partnered with us, they will be able to help us identify problems before they actually, are there. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's always good to, to know where the problem areas are to make sure you address those in advance. Do you use like a non-ionic surfactant? Do you like fulvic acid? Do you do you try anything else to help drive that fungicide into the plant? Yeah, we do use a sticker um, with our fungicide and insecticide. And we use actually using some fertilizer as well. Um, in the airplane, we're using five gallon instead of the um, standard two gallon. That sure. being as a heavier carrier with the fertilizer as well. Hey, you mentioned fertilizer, and and I've gotten a lot of questions about this too with guys that say, okay, I know I need some things like some boron or or uh, maybe just a little bit of nitrogen or something at that time of year as well. Do you find that adds too much burn for your fungicide, or at the low rates like you're running, you don't really notice it? Um, we didn't notice any burn this year. Um, the lower rate, um, we're not we're not getting that burn. You know, you're not going to be able to put your 10 gallon out there because that obviously would burn it. And but the low rate that we're using is helping the plant, not hurting it and burning it. Yeah, certainly a lot of things going on at that time of year in corn. We're talking today about corn diseases. Uh, Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Really appreciate all the insight today. Hey, thank you. 
When you think about corn diseases, one of the resources that we've created along with uh, our friends at the American Phytopathological Society, that's the the guys that talk about diseases at all the universities, all the smart guys there, uh, we've developed the Ag PhD Corn Diseases app. It's a free download for your phone or for your tablet. We encourage you to check that out today. We've got a soybean diseases app as well if you'd like to, to learn more about soybean disease. But we've got a lot of pictures in there and just explanations about these diseases that are out there and you should be watching for in your fields this year. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low Use Rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is a wake-up call. For you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about corn diseases. Uh, what a big topic when we've got corn at 
well, depending on where you're at in the country, five, six, seven dollars a bushel. We got a lot out there in these fields to protect this coming year, so it's an important topic for sure. We welcome your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, and we'll jump right onto those phone lines. We got Carl down in Texas with us. Carl, how are you doing? Ah, uh, we're doing all right. All right, uh, how about corn disease down in your part of the country? Are you guys too dry to get disease, or are you fighting some every year? <laughs> well, last year we had so much rain, and it just messed everything up. <clears throat> so we had, I had a field of corn that was appraised at two bushels to the acre because there wasn't no ears. Wow. And then I know other people, I know another man that had a 60-acre field of corn. He put on one semi, and... The only thing that's been mentioned, it was laid up in the winter. Nobody said anything during growing season, really. And uh, But crown rot was brought up. Oh, yes. And so, I mean, it was, it's it's the worst corn I've seen in 40 years when you got a field, you know, that'll make zero, basically, to, you know, 40 or 50, but the they just didn't have no ears and the best thing they can come up with that i've heard so far is crown rot where stuff didn't move up through the plant or something i don't understand it that's what i'm asking okay well great question here and great comments because uh well unfortunate comments i should say as far as the yield loss but uh fusarium crown rot we saw in a big way all the way up here in in the northern part of the u.s as well and and even creeping up into canada last year we just had the wrong conditions for it and uh when you see a lot of plants where it's it's just it, it literally will turn them to mush right around ground level mm-hmm. uh, from yep. from that root system up into the lower part of the stem, uh, and we were not immune to that up here either. Uh, and I I know this last year was the worst that I've seen, and really about everywhere that corn is grown east of the Rockies, Fusarium crown rot is always a possibility. But it just happened to be the right weather for it, unfortunately, last year that, that we got lots of it. Now, what can you do about that going forward? We've got fusarium out in the fields, and you've got the the pathogen there. It's just waiting for a susceptible host in the right environment. So what you can do is start off with some sort of fungicide on the seed treatment and also fungicide potentially in the furrow. We had talked about Zyway earlier. That's kind of the premium in-furrow fungicide on the market today. It's a triazole fungicide called Flutriophol. That one works pretty well. We had used in the past Headline and uh, Xanthian, which would be Headline plus a, a biofungicide. Those products worked okay as well. But if we didn't have that in there, it, it sure looked worse last year. So the seed treatment fungicides that most companies are using are not sufficient. But there are some that are adding newer fungicides and higher rates of fungicide. Uh, You see some of the premium seed companies out there uh, having a little better seed treatments than others. There are certainly some that that don't have much on the seed treatment. So my my thing this year would be ask your seed treatment or ask your seed dealer, what's the seed treatment that's on here and how effective is it on fusarium crown rot? Second, is there a hybrid in our geography that's going to be a little more tolerant to it. And if you noticed any last year that were more tolerant to it, which ones are they? So I can plant those. And then the next thing would be if you can put a fungicide in furrow, if you've got a liquid system for doing 
fertilizer, you could certainly add something in like a Zyway or potentially uh, uh, the fertilizer compatibility thing may be an issue, but there are products like uh, Tepera Plus um, or you could use the headline Xanthian Preaxor type of product too. So you think it's coming in really early? Yes. I thought maybe it was coming in like when the corn was nearly tassel or you know, I guess it had come in earlier than that because it wasn't no ears. Yeah, I, I think it's coming in pretty early, and I think if it gets the right conditions and your crop has enough stress during the season, then it just really manifests itself. So if you've got balanced fertility, perfect weather, just the right amount of water, everything else is great, no problem. But when you get excess rain like you had last year, that just adds a lot of stress. And when there's too much water or not nearly enough, like in, in our area, it was a lot of drought-induced stress. And so it could be one extreme or the other that could could really push this disease to, to take off. It's kind of like you, if you've got a mild cold, but everything's right, you're eating well, you're getting lots of sleep, it ends up being no big deal in most cases. But if you're not getting enough sleep and you're not eating right, then all of a sudden that thing can really blow up and be tough. Yeah, we were really, really wet way up into tassel time, and then it got dry. And then I don't know if, it, if the disease affected the pollen. Um, we had ears, some ears of corn that had no kernels on them. And then, so I guess it just screwed up the whole timing of everything. You know, it sure could have, it sure could have messed up things later in the season too. But I just think when you look at that bottom part of the stem, if you split those stems open, there just isn't the nutrient transfer going on through that stem like there normally would be. So I I just think that plants got the message, Hey, we're not going to make seed this year. And so if it can, it'll make one or two kernels on that ear or if mm-hmm. it just doesn't have anything, sometimes you see just all kinds of crazy reactions that the plant will have because that plant's only job in life is to reproduce. So if it's if right. it's under a stress situation like that, it will do anything it can to even make one kernel just to, to try to get by to next year. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a tough deal. We saw a lot of guys zero out spots of fields up here from Fusarium crown rot this year too. Well, we had when you was combining, I've got, chop, I've got a chopper head, and it just smelled like rotten corn, and there was just sap on everything everywhere. Ugh. And that lower part of that plant it was just rotten. I mean, it was standing up, yep. but it was just a rotten smell. Yeah, and unfortunately, that that fusarium can live for multiple years in your soil, too. So I, I know you've got fusarium out there. Uh, going forward so definitely got to manage it closely like i say three-step approach uh, find out what's on your seed treatment and talk about hybrid tolerance and then look at putting a fungicide in furrow to try to help yourself out going forward well we use in furrow all the time awesome fertilizer i mean that's just a given you just do it and so adding something to it is not a big issue um but we're familiar with fusarium, too. We grow some Milo, and you always have some of it in Milo. Okay. So, 
Okay, that anyway, makes sense. Oh, you. hey, one last thing, Carl, too. And and if you're going to be mixing a fertilizer with a fungicide, there's some formulations that aren't very compatible. So so do talk to your uh-huh. dealer about that, too. The the Zyway seem to work okay, uh, I, I believe, anyway, because it's, it's got a LFR version, so liquid fertilizer ready. And I know Tapera Plus is another combination product that you could use along with fertilizer. I know those two formulations work, but just check with your dealer to make sure you got something compatible. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Uh, let's head over to uh, Southern Utah. we got Tanner on. Tanner, we got just about a minute before a commercial break, but I can at least get started on your question here before the break. How are you doing? Good, Dan. How are you doing? Good. I'm Dan. I'm thinking about applying gibberellic acid and headline through the spray rig on winter triticale. And it's going to be harvested for forage, not for grain. Okay. Any qualms about putting them together out at the same time? Okay. We've done one and the other before, but doing them together, is there any risk there? Yeah, that's a great question. When we think about uh, plant growth hormones, uh, if you're mixing plant growth hormones together, sometimes we can see an issue. Well, with Headline, when that product got developed, they had some issues with phytotoxicity on the plant. They added something in there, one of the inerts in there, to take that phytotoxicity away. I don't know what it is. So I don't know if it was a, a plant growth hormone of some sort or if it was something else. Uh, so we'll, let's talk about that here for just a minute. Uh, it's interesting when you think about all the things that need to happen and you've only got so many days to do that, let alone good spray days. Uh, certainly a lot of combinations getting used out there. We'll, we'll get to that question from Tanner right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Do you have crop failures due to flooding, drought, or another event? You may need to consider a better burndown regimen. Adding just two ounces of New Farm Panther SC to your tank mix not only provides faster results, it provides residual that lasts. You gain flexibility to keep your cropping options open. Ask your dealer for Panther SC and get Panther power in your tank. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Don't let resistant weeds win on your field. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers. Tough 5EC, a selective contact herbicide manufactured by Belgium Crop Protection, can help. Tough 5EC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. 
Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Soybean growers are dealing a swift blow to tough broad leaves and grasses with the two-in-one power of Moccasin MTZ. Moccasin MTZ combines the power of s and a higher load of Metribuzin for outstanding weed control right from the outset with extended residual control to keep tough weeds down, including pigweed, water hemp, ragweed, and mare's tail. In addition to annual grasses like foxtail and barnyard grass, ask your retailer about Moccasin MTZ and always read and follow label directions. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, bring Brian back on here, too. And, Brian, we got a question from Tanner, who's with us right now on the phone uh, from southern Utah. He's got some winter triticale. He, he's been putting on headline, and he's been putting on gibberellic acid in two applications. Just wondering, could he potentially mix those two together, or could there be some inerts in the headline that might make that not a good idea? Well, as far as I know, you'd be able to do it, but... Have we ever done that ourselves before? No. You know, when I think about it, too, a little bit, it's kind of this timing issue. So how is that going to work out for timing? I mean, maybe it's going to be fine in the triticale, but a lot of the crops that we've been talking about in the past, the two biggest crops for gibberellic acid, it's been pasture grass and it's been silage corn. Well, spraying headline or any fungicide super early in silage corn doesn't pay typically. And in pasture grass, we're not even using a fungicide usually. So I, I'm just saying we just don't have experience with that. I think it would work. If it's me, I'd probably just try it on a few acres first and see. But I, I can't think of any reason why I would not want to do that. Yeah, I think, you know, triticale being that close relative to wheat, it makes sense to me that you'd want to spray the fungicide early. What have you seen, Tanner? I guess have you seen some pretty good gains on each of those products in the past? Well, on the headline, we haven't. We've done more on alfalfa, I should say, and I've seen other people who've done it on winter wheat. So I'm just trans transferring that over to. Sure. Assuming that's going to pay with the high commodity prices. On the gibberellic acid, we have seen results with it. Um, uh, so I get, I've yeah. never seen them together for sure, but I, I know that sure. the headlines paid in alfalfa, putting it on early just as a plant health, not even as we don't have the fungus here, you know, the disease pressure, but just as a plant yeah. health remedy. Yep. That's what I was going to say is headline by itself anymore. Isn't the best on disease, but it, it, it can do that plant health thing for you. When Darren and I were over in Denmark, this is probably 10 years ago now, we, found that a lot of those people there were using headline. They call it Comet over in Denmark. But anyway, they weren't after the disease control, just like you. They were simply after the plant health benefits, and they were getting more than enough to make it pay. So I could see how that would work. And with us, we have a lot of 
uh, weather uh, variants, you know, hot days, cold nights will freeze a lot, and we're hoping that the headline's going to help uh, moderate that pressure. You bet. Yeah. Well, sounds interesting, Tanner. Right. You'll have to let us know. If you do a little experiment on that and you, you get some results, we'd love to hear about it. Okay, we won't get too carried away. We'll just uh, <laughs> have a few thoughts and see how it works. And, right. And, yep. Okay. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Tanner. Really appreciate it. Hey, Brian, we had a question come in on the tar spot discussion we were having earlier from Doug, and he said, I was, I was listening to your show, and I'm just wondering, has there been research done on the effect of increased irrigation on tar spot if corn goes to bed damp it seems to me that would encourage fungal growth you're absolutely right doug I, i've talked to growers who have been in heavy disease areas not just with tar spot but with others that require leaf wetness for an extended period of time and they say you know what uh, we went to irrigating during the daylight hours so our plants didn't go to bed with with wet leaves if we could help it uh, especially in those times when when uh, there there are a lot of spores and a lot of huh. disease getting started. Okay, now I would think it'd be the exact opposite, and here's why. Because at night, well, and of course, it all depends on your geography. At night, our corn leaves are wet every single night. So why wouldn't I want to irrigate at night, and then during the day, I don't have any wetness on the leaves. But, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know either for your specific area, Doug, uh, but if you're in a dry area, low humidity, and you say, hey, I'm irrigating because I, I just don't have any humidity or rain, then, then doing it doing it during the daylight hours, you would definitely avoid having leaf wetness for extended periods of time. Yeah, lots of different ways to look at that. You know, when it comes to corn disease, too, we've been talking about just a multi-layered approach throughout the season, and, and that's a big deal. Um I think with weed control, with just about anything that we do, fertility, all those things, if we can keep things protected all through the season to reduce stress, that's a good deal. All right, Brian, get another question. This one comes in from JR. He said, uh, last year I heard you guys talk about putting on biologicals on your seed treatments and that it wasn't a very expensive thing to do. I'm wondering what are your goals with that? What is it helping with? And for us, early planted soybeans failing and having to replant, that's one of our biggest issues. So I'm trying to limit that. That would be my goal. Is this something that could help? Well, it could help to some degree. The biggest thing with that, if it's failing, I'm guessing it's disease issues. So you want to make sure you have a good fungicide package in there. But in terms of the biologicals, we're after two primary things. Number one, uh, in addition to inoculant, okay, I'm setting that to the side. Obviously, that's important. But what I would say is we, we want to have, number one, faster emergence. And number two, we are after better nutrient, let's see, how can I call this, uh, uh, solubilization, more nutrients available. So we're able to do that with some of the the biologicals that we're after and then we've got one other factor and that is we we've got fungal endophytes that we're now using as well to help keep the plant or help help the plant do better in heat drought and salt type conditions so i i guess it's it's three things really we're after in addition to the inoculant so i i mean i just think it's really good and it doesn't cost a lot of money so grand total like for our seed treatment package, and we'll get 75 things on there. We also have, we're going to put amino acids in on everything this year. 
it's 75 things and we're we're grand total spending 16 bucks well that's one bushel of beans one so it just doesn't amount to much i mean money wise and if i can't gain one bushel i'd be awfully sad all right. Thanks for the question, JR. We appreciate that. Uh, Cole had a question. He said, you guys have talked about this force majeure that Bayer had recently announced, but I'm still hearing more about it out in the media. I know glyphosate supply is already going to be short. Prices are already going to be high. Can you talk about this if you guys have an opinion on this or, or any more knowledge? Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's going to affect the U.S. supply of name brand Roundup. It's more a thing for a lot of the foreign countries, for some of the generics and things like that. So anyway, everything that I've heard so far is that name brand Roundup isn't going to be impacted at least this spring. It would just be possibly a little bit next summer. But with almost all the inert ingredients, and, and this is one of the interesting things too, we also track weights of a lot of these bulk ag chemicals. And so we'll weigh stuff and, and everything. And we found that many of the weights this year are varying compared to what they normally are. Well, what does that tell you? That means that they've substituted different inert ingredients. And I expect that Bayer will do the same thing and they'll look for other suppliers. And I know they already have some other suppliers on this one inert in particular that they're after. So I don't think it's gonna be this massive deal but the problem was literally like every last gallon was spoken for. So even if you're 10 gallons short, it's like, oh, we can't fill every single order. All right. Thanks for the question, Cole. We appreciate that. Uh, last one here. we got about a minute, Brian. Uh, this is from Alex. He said, I wanted to ask you guys about Freelex. I hear you talking about Freelex all the time and that it's better than the old 2,4-Ds in terms of volatility. I was wondering... Why can't you run Freelex in a burndown? Why doesn't the label mention crop ground? Well, I've I've talked to Corteva about this too. I just think they're totally missing the boat, in my personal opinion here, and that they should be pushing Freelex all over the world because there's still so many people using old 2,4-D in all these different situations where I'm going, why would you use old 2,4-D? It moves all over the country. There's, too, there's so much risk. And, I mean, they see the risk because they're using, I mean, they have to go through all the regulatory process and all that. So I just, I don't get it. I really don't. It makes zero sense to me. Is it going to hurt the crop any more than old 2,4-D? No, it's the same. So why would Freelux not be labeled? I have no idea. Yeah, a lot of puzzling things in the industry, no doubt about that. And I really do appreciate the question. And thanks thanks for listening, by the way, Alex, to catch catch that we're talking about that quite often. Yeah, Brian and I are always looking for ways to, to utilize products that work, that offer less risk. And that's certainly a less risk product than the old amines and esters. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.